With no fees or minimums, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than deciding to listen to another episode of your favorite podcast. And with no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC. Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you about Squarespace Courses. It has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. You can create engaging content your audience is going to love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace Courses. So just go to squarespace.com slash stuff for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use our offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryan over there, and there's Jerry over there. And she has a donut beneath her skin on her forehead, which makes this Stuff You Should Know the transdermal implant edition. Although technically yes. that'd be subdermal implant. Uh, right. You know, good there's, point. There's a difference. I'm kind of excited about this. One. <laughs> Are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited too because as we record live today, this is the last um, full length sesh of the year. Right. We're doing some shorties tomorrow. Yes. And then I'm doing movie crushes tomorrow, and that's it, man. We're we're done for. Like if you look at calendar days, almost three full weeks. You got a big day tomorrow, don't you? Yeah, I'm recording a lot of shows. That's a lot of episodes tomorrow, Four, buddy. five, six, seven episodes tomorrow. So are you sad we're not going to be recording for a little while, or are you like, yeah? No, I'm super glad. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I'm not taking it personally because I feel the same way. No, I'm not saying I, I hate all of you people, but uh, it's gonna be these nice breaks little, are really good. Yeah. We get to Recharge like us. tear the covers off of our textbooks. Yeah. Turn them back in for um, a substantially less amount than what we paid for them. Yeah, we we after the bell rings, we go down the hall throwing all our papers around and stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's the best. Yeah, everyone's like, <laughs> Alice this Cooper's is, playing. This is work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's gonna be a great break, and uh, means good quality family holiday time. Uh, not having to research stuff is nice for a few weeks. Yeah. And then it makes us eager to get back and start researching stuff again. And not only that, we get to go on the road shortly after we get back. Oh, that's right. We're going to... Baking in a uh, uh-huh. shout out? Prepare for this. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a show in Seattle at the Moor on January... Uh, that would be the... Thursday. 16th, The I 16th, think? yep. And then we'll be in L.A. for the iHeart Podcast Awards on Friday. Right. No events other than that. Right. Because we're in and out. Sure. Then uh, Saturday, we're going to be at Sketchfest mm-hmm. at the Castro. Yep. That's for a the, live show. Brand new stuff. It's the 18th. 18th? So, yeah, it's going to be a big jam. That's right. And then I'm doing uh, Movie Crush on the 19th. Right. And this year, I'm not going to do uh, a single guest talking about a one movie. I'm going to mix it up and get uh, the audience involved. Very nice. going to have a... a Slate of people on stage. Uh huh. Gonna be wandering around the audience with a microphone. Oh wow! I'm gonna be having a lot of fun. I'm like nervous just thinking about <laughs> really? that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm not even gonna be in the audience because I'm not gonna be in town. I'm sorry. Uh huh. But the idea of being in the audience and you picking me. Oh no! The, it's voluntary. You know, I'm not gonna just stick oh, a well, microphone okay. in someone's face. That's classy of you. Because and this is the cream of the crop of stuff you should know, listeners. They're not sure. They're not these drunk mainers. 
who jump on the mic and Q&A. And <laughs> Going off on Maine again? <laughs> they're nice, but we had a couple of drunkies at the end that tried to ruin the show. We totally did, didn't we? Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. It yeah. happens from time to it time. It happens from time to time. Not in San Francisco <laughs> or Portland, though. Yeah, man, they know what's up. Or Seattle. Seattle, sorry. Yeah, but we're uh, hitting Portland in March. We haven't announced those yet, but... Yeah, Portland and Vancouver, it looks like. Yeah, and then uh, we're debating other various places for 2020. Yeah, write in, let us know where to go. Yeah. Okay. So off to transdermal implants, Charles. Yeah, this is one kind of an extreme body modification. And uh, I want to go ahead and say right off the bat, we don't like to yuck people's yums. Right. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to do this as straightforward as I can, but it is hard in some of these circumstances to... Uh, to not recoil in horror okay. at what you're seeing. But the reason I feel like I can say that is I think that's kind of the point right. for a lot of these folks is they, wanna, they want to sometimes scare your average square walking down the street, <laughs> you right. know? Your L7. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't. every picture wouldn't be them going, ah, right. like right in the camera lens. A lot of them do that. They're inciting uh, a reaction, and I get it. It's fine. For sure. Um, yeah, they're they're um, freaking out the normies, basically. Yeah. Not all of them. I was reading, I actually looked up psychology of body modification. It's interesting. And this person wrote, I think it was from a, a tattoo place or a piercing place, and they're like, despite what most, you know, average people think mm -hmm. there's not some sort of psychological defect driving people to do this stuff. Right. But there is some psychology to it, and frequently the, the most common explanation for doing this is self-expression. Yeah, sure. Can't really fault anybody for that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's kind of like to show your affiliation with the tribe or something like that. Right. Like if you're a grinder, which we'll get into, or a raver, or a goth. Yeah, or a muk-muk, or a posse-poom. <laughs> you sound a million years old right now. <laughs> and then, let's see, what was the last one? Oh, sexual enhancement. Also can't fault anybody for that one. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about some of those too. So, I, I, but I don't want to leave you high and dry here because, like, I, I, don't, I don't have any issues with anybody doing whatever to their own body. Sure. For whatever reason, um, short of like serious mental illness. And I mean, I think that does come up, but it's very, very rare. Mm -hmm. um, but I do, if you look at pictures mm -hmm. of the, the after mm -hmm. or the during, sure, it can make one a little fainty. Is that what you mean? Yeah. I mean, we're curious people. Like if I ever sat down across from someone with a split tongue and uh, elf ears and things like that, I'd say, hey, you know, What's what's going on with that? Let's you'd talk say, about this. You say, how about them cubbies? <laughs> yeah, should, big baseball fans, right? <laughs> no, I'd want to pick their brain a little bit, and um, and the likely response, like you said, would be, it's just self-expression, man. This is just how I feel. I want to project myself. Sure. He's like, you want to project as a tubby old bearded guy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like, you're gross. So we're we're just kind of we're dropping in on a subculture that we're not affiliated with in right. any way, shape, or form. But we're, we're also squares. We're, this isn't to like parade them around. Um, and, and point and gawk and laugh. No. So if you're, if you're here for that, move along. That's right. Okay. All right. Boy, these are weirdos. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> so we're talking specifically about transdermal implants, which we'll get to, but those are a, I think you said an extreme form of body modification. Yeah, EBM. Yeah, E. It's very important. This is not to be confused with the Mountain Dew version of extreme. There's an E at the beginning of that word, <laughs> which legitimizes the whole thing oh, tremendously. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
You were a child of the 90s. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, even though I've never had Mountain Dew. What? I know. Never. I don't think I've ever tasted Mountain Dew. What about Mellow Yellow? I, I think I might have had a couple of those when I was a kid. Okay, well then, yeah, you're fine. You're covered. Is it about the same? Virtually the same thing. Okay. Although Mountain Dew has branched out. They have some new freaky stuff. Oh, they got all kinds of colors and flavors now. So there's one that's blue that Yumi accidentally got from a vending machine the other day and brought home. And was like, I can't touch this, but I'll bet you'd you like shouldn't it. shouldn't drink blue stuff. This is the epitome of blue stuff that you shouldn't drink. <laughs> but it's like highly addictive. The taste is like, oh, it's awful. I want another sip. Oh, really? That's so weird. What Interesting. It, it's a very addictive cotton candy-ish taste Ugh. with a little bit of blue raspberry mix. And I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but okay. it's my brain is still like quivering <laughs> from it. And this is like a week ago. I don't know what a blue raspberry is, so I'm already confused. But I, I really, you got to think, Chuck, there are people who do engage in transdermal implants listening to this and they're like, these guys are talking about the wildest experience they've had recently, and it was Blue Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how, that's sure. where, this is our stage in life that we're in. Yeah. That's fine. I'm comfortable with that. Okay. So it's an extreme form of body modification, which is a larger umbrella Mm -hmm. uh, that covers a lot of different stuff and some stuff that's been around a really long time, like tattooing, piercing, Mm -hmm. gauging. Yeah. So, you know, with gauging, like it's there's like a hole in your ear and Mm -hmm. you can make it pretty, pretty big. That's actually, you know, a traditional custom that that dates back a very long time. And our pal Utsi apparently had zero gauge years. Oh, really? Yeah. He was from, what, 5,000-something years before? Yeah, and I've also seen it uh, in the lip. Yeah. Uh, the cultures that have the disc inserted in the lip. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this is something that is it is very important to point out that it is our Western culture. To us, it's like, oh, this new thing that these kids are doing. But for <laughs> Tattoos. Many, <laughs> like for... Thousands of years, other cultures across the world have done similar things like this. Right, and that also raises a really important point, too. Um, body modification can also include something like a pierced ear mm-hmm. or a nose job or getting yeah. an eyelid job. Right. Um, and A little nip or a tuck. Sure, and these are typically people modifying their body to reach uh, some sort of ideal of social ideal of beauty, a norm of yeah. beauty that they feel like they don't have naturally. Mm-hmm. So they're modifying their bodies. With extreme body modification like transdermal um, implants, It's the intention is to go the other way. Right. But th- it's still like on the same coin. It's just a different side of that same coin. Right. It's a beautiful thing to them. Right. But I think they realize that it's going to freak out the normies. That's right. <laughs> so it's win-win. Yeah, it is. Um so there are, you know, we're not going to get into all these because this is mainly on uh, these transdermal implants. But we, we do need to mention things like uh, beading. Um, we talked about the tongue splitting. Do you know what beading is? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, you're going to lay it on me? <laughs> sure. Well, I was trying to lay it on you, so that's all fair. Um, beading or genital beading or purling is inserting like a bead or something beneath the skin or on the top of the skin, or somewhere under the skin on the penis. Mm -hmm. And that is a million percent for sexual enhancement. Yeah. We'll go over some more. For her pleasure. Terms. (laughs) Isn't that what they used to say? That's what it said on the bathroom wall uh, of the gas station. No, it was like ribbed. Yeah, for her pleasure. Right. Sure. (laughs) They also have ribs instead of pearls, but ribs. Uh So like a ribbed penis. I gotcha. Sub, but those are subdermal implants. Yeah. They're, they're meant to be under the skin. They're not supposed to break the skin. Right. 
again, of the genitals. <laughs> that is true. Uh, which uh, what, the the tongue splitting? Apparently, there's one form of tongue tongue splitting you can do where you have movement over both sides. Oh no! Like, like independently? I think so. That's pretty awesome. I haven't seen it in action like on YouTube, but uh, I read that. That's neat. A couple hours ago, and. <laughs> I, I did not go to YouTube on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I've suffered quite a bit the last couple of days from my curiosity getting the best of me. Uh, and then there's the subdermal implant like you were talking about, uh, which is different. If you've ever seen anyone that looks like they are uh, – what, what are the Star Trek – is it a Klingon that has the big oh, – We're going to get killed. Puffy uh, – I'm not a Star Trek guy, so mm-hmm. – um, but w- whichever ones have the very prominent brow, mm-hmm. a lot of times these subdermal implants can look like that. It's something under the skin mm. um, that's a shape of something. Like I saw, actually saw a pretty cool one. Oh yeah, uh, on the the top of a guy's hand, he had a uh, a skull under his skin. Yeah. So and, and I got to admit, I was like, mm, that's kind of awesome. It seems like transdermal implants. There were subdermal implants first, and then transdermal implants kind of made a splash. And then everybody's like, this is too dangerous. <laughs> Let's go back to subdermal yeah. implants. And now those are a, a big time thing. And apparently the success rate for them is much greater. And um, they're meant to just be, like you were saying, completely under the skin. And they come in all these different sizes and shapes. And um, the sizes in particular are meant to just kind of slowly stretch the skin like you do when you gauge your ears. Yeah, you can go bigger and bigger. Right. Um, so you just put one in and let your skin kind of loosen up around it. And underneath the skin, there's that shape of, what would you say, a skull? Yeah. I've seen skulls, hand grenades, throwing stars, which may or may not have just been regular stars with pointy edges, mm-hmm. um, hearts, music notes, cherries, like whatever. Yeah. And you can put them anywhere on your body, and it's just like that shape protruding from underneath your skin. Or the most famous one, the one I saw, I think, first, because I think the kid who did it was an early adopter, that donut shape on the forehead. Yeah. Which I'm not sure what that, if it's just aesthetic or if there's some sort of symbolism behind it or not, but it is a, it is a definite look. It's not like Dr. Manhattan, is it? I don't know who that is. Okay. Is that like a 70s disco group? No, it's uh, The Watchmen. It's a character from The Watchmen. The what did he? Graphic oh. novel slash movie slash now. He had like a glowing thing underneath his skin, right? No, he had a th- it was on his forehead. He had a circle. But it was glowing. Uh... I no, no, it doesn't glow. I mean, he could no. glow sometimes. Okay, maybe that's what I'm confusing it with. But there are now subdermal implants that have LED lights. Oh, wow. So that not only is your skin, this shape protruding, it also lights up. Did you see that thing about people having magnets put in their fingers? Let's talk about that for a second. All right. People have magnets in their fingers sometimes. Yes, yeah, Shannon Larrett uh, was, is like kind of a huge extreme body mod artist. Okay. Um, which is something we should say. The people who implant this stuff are called artists. The people who have it done to them are also called artists typically too. It's right. kind of like art. I do the art and I am the art. Exactly. But don't call me a doctor. Right. <laughs> Especially not Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. But um, Shannon Larrett was an early adopter of magnet fingertips, but it right. didn't work out all that well because of the way that they were produced. Yeah, that is called sensory augmentation. Uh, and the idea here is you put a tiny magnet in your fingertip and you would you can sense things like magnetic fields. I mean, you become a magnet, you know, right. at least the tip of your finger does. You're like, check out this paper clip. Now it's attached to my finger. What are you going to do, Normie? Well, it said there were some funny things in this. Uh, I got a couple of articles on this. One of them uh, was 
What You Need to Know About Getting Magnetic Finger Implants by <laughs> George Dvorsky. George Dvorsky? Yeah, you know him? Oh, yeah. He's from – he's a huge IO9 writer. Oh, okay. So one of the things that said uh, it could be useful if you work in electronics, you can feel the live wires versus the dead wires. And I'm just thinking like they have devices that do that, you know. <laughs> and then they listed a few other things. And finally it said you can also do things like pick up bottle caps and paper clips. It's pretty neat. <laughs> but it's an early um, example uh, or I should say primitive example of biohacking. Yeah. Which is like trying to do things. It's kind of like a part of the transhumanism umbrella mm -hmm. where it's like – uh, it's like Stellark with the ear. I knew that was coming. Okay, of course. He's like our go-to <laughs> poster child for transhumanism. That's right. So, so this is actually following through on biohacking with your own body. Right. And there's a, actually a name for that community, that very specific set of people who are actually doing this stuff, and they're called grinders. Yeah, and that's like a magnet or an RFID chip sure. or something like well, that. Well, you can like, if you really know you're going to be working at the same office for a while, you might have that your RFID card implanted into the top of your hand. Never lose it. And then you just swipe your <laughs> hand and freak out your normie coworkers. Yeah, this one guy from Wired, and he wasn't even listed as the author, maybe because he just wanted to remain anonymous, or she. Um, and this person got the magnet done as an experiment for the article. What? And it said four months after... Uh, the thing basically, uh, eventually he tried to get it taken out by his family doctor. Mm -hmm. He said, my family doctor tried to remove it and failed. The implant shattered into pieces and it no longer worked as a magnet. He said, but four months later, I lost all the effect. The spot darkened and the magnetism returned because <laughs> the magnet, being a magnet, had reassembled itself in my finger. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Isn't that amazing? And it reassembled itself into a skull and crossbones. I don't know. He said it wasn't as uh, sensitive, but he could pick up bottle caps. Again. That's pretty good, sure. <laughs> Which is ultimately the point, you know? Yeah, it's all very interesting. Um, yeah. And I know we're laughing a lot and stuff, but it, it is it is unusual. So forgive us if you're uh, out there and you have a magnet in your finger and you're offended by us. Yeah, go laughing. listen to some other episodes of Stuff You Should Know, and you'll, you'll catch our vibe. Yeah. You'll know we're not laughing at you. All right, should we take a break? Sure. All right, let's do that. Let's get some magnets implanted in our pinkies, <laughs> and uh, we'll be right back. Listen to this. It's a game changer. Amazon is now in healthcare. Yes, Amazon. It's called Amazon One Medical. They offer same-day appointments. And if that's not convenient enough for you, they also have 24-7 virtual care. Yeah, you know, imagine you're feeling so sick that even the thought of getting out of bed is just too much for you. With Amazon One Medical, you don't have to leave the house. Of course, what good is that if you then have to drag yourself to the pharmacy, but you don't have to do that either because of Amazon Pharmacy. It makes a lot of sense. Delivering things fast is what Amazon is known for, and that's exactly what they do here. They'll deliver your prescriptions directly to your door. No waiting in pharmacy lines with people who probably all have something worse than whatever you're there for. Again, this is a game changer. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful. Hey, everybody. Josh and Chuck are here to tell you about a new podcast, Car and Drivers Into Cars, a production of Car and Driver and iHeartMedia's Ruby Studio. 
That's right. It's hosted by Eddie Alterman and Tony Quiroga. Into Cars is the ultimate podcast for car lovers. Whether you're in the market for a new set of wheels or just love the sound of a V8, car and driver's panel of editors and car experts test drive and review today's most compelling new rides. And the best part, Eddie and Tony have no filter. They review cars with the same blend of intelligence, independence, and irreverence that has made Car and Driver a trusted source for news and reviews since 1955. Car and Driver's Into Cars is brought to you by eBay Motors. All the parts you need at the prices you want. Guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Visit ebaymotors.com for more. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So jump in, buckle up, and listen to Car and Driver's Into Cars. Available wherever you get podcasts. You know, one of the things I saw about having magnets implanted in your in your fingers, and actually any kind of implant mm-hmm. uh, that involves metal, an MRI is a terrible idea. I saw that. And sometimes you might need an MRI. It's mm-hmm. medically necessary. It will pull it out of your body. Oh, my God. And they, the, I saw two different things. I saw one article where uh, a guy said that you need to let them know so they can account for this. And I saw another one where they said, no, they won't let you do this. Sure. Um, so I don't know if accounting for it means like hanging your hand out the side or Maybe. which is not possible, <laughs> I don't think. Maybe temporarily amputating your hands and then throwing know. you through the MRI and then reattaching them and hoping for the best. That sounds like something out of a movie, though, <clears throat> ripping a, a magnet out of your finger in real time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so everything we've talked about basically up to this point has been subdermal implants which are completely under the skin. They either are used for, like, biohacking or just for adornment. There's something else, though, and this is what we're actually talking about today. I know. Those are, <laughs> those are called transdermal implants. Right. And they bear a striking resemblance to subdermal, except they are even more extreme body modifications because they're implanted under the skin, but they also protrude out of the skin. That's right. Which means they break the body envelope which makes them extremely risky as far as this whole thing is concerned. Yeah, and I've heard it's also called single point um, is another name for it. I've seen those for microdermals. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we'll get to. Yeah, because, yeah, it definitely wouldn't be single point because there's the second point that they make. Is that what that means? I think so. Yeah, I think single point is, oh, we'll talk about it with microdermals. All right, so the idea of the implant, though, is... um, if you imagine uh, permanent jewelry, maybe, or if you look online, the first thing that you will likely see is someone with a shaved head mm-hmm. and little horns yep. or spikes or um, any kind of adornment coming out of the head. But this guy, uh, what was his first name? Uh, Mr. Alward? Uh, his first name, Chuck, was Joe. Joe, right. He was one of, it seems like, the first people. If not the. Who got this done in 1996 from. Uh, Steve uh, Hayworth. Yeah, and Hayworth seems to be still a very prominent uh, body modification artist. He's called the Mod Father. Oh, okay. Well, there you have it. Those subdermal implants. Uh huh. Um, he designs and sells them like crazy, made out of silicone. Yeah, because he worked in medical tool engineering, mm-hmm. which we're not saying that's 
you know, a qualification. Oh, it definitely was in this but case. But it probably helped. Oh, yeah. You know. No, no, no. This guy basically, uh, he grew up in his father's company. Uh, his father created cosmetic surgery tools. Uh-huh. And Steve joined the family company. And he made cosmetic surgery tools um, and was very successful at it, first with his father's company and then later with his own company. Um, but he also said, well, you know, this is kind of a cool idea too, using this stuff for body modification. So not only did he invent, design, and create these tools that are mm-hmm. used for this stuff, he also invented the procedures and he also invented the implants. So he was he kind of created this whole truly thing. is the mod father. Yeah, and it, you know, it's not always uh, a metal mohawk of spikes or anything. Uh, we should talk a little bit about a gentleman named Dennis Avner, mm-hmm. uh, who's no longer with us. If you have ever poked around this community, then you know who Dennis Avner was. Mm-hmm. He was known as... Stalking uh, Cat. Yeah, Stalking Cat, or just the tiger. Uh, or, or Catman. Or Tigress or Catman. Yeah. Uh, he was a veteran of the U.S. Navy, and this was from his obituary written by Shannon Lorat from Mod Blog. From the Mod Blog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he worked as a programmer and a technician, and he had uh, his totem was was a tiger, right? And a female tiger. He was a Huron Native American uh, of the Huron tribe. So he was actually mm-hmm. okay. That's what I couldn't find out. No, he definitely was. If he just followed along that tradition, or if he actually was, he was an actual Huron. Okay, so he also had um, implants and things above his lip to. Uh, Kind of puff it out like a cat. He had, had metal whiskers. Yeah, he had um, a uh, uh, his his upper lip surgically severed to make it more cat like. Yeah, what's that called? I can't remember. Something ectomy though. Yeah, I'll tell you that how it ends. <laughs> it ends with ectomy. Uh, so yeah, his ears, his nose, his lips. He had uh, fangs, mm-hmm. and not just like you know you've seen the little vampire fangs. Like these looked like legit cat. Teeth. From what I saw, he and maybe he did both, but he did he engaged in tooth filing to give himself fangs. Mm-hmm. I also saw that he had his um, his adult teeth removed, and he had um, fang Im, uh, dentures implanted. Well, they had to be because these were super long. Right. So um, I wonder if he did teeth filing at first and it didn't suit his needs, and then he maybe. he f- followed up with the dentures. But he he was doing all this and face tattoos. We should mention extensive facial tattoos. Yeah, like tiger stripes. Right, and he looked like a tiger. Like if you're like, look at that guy. What do you think he looks like? Anyone would say a tiger. Yes, he nailed it in that respect. He totally did. But he was still in the process of. He said, I saw two different things. One, that he was trying to um, emulate the perfect balance between a human and a a cat, a tiger, Mm -hmm. and he wanted to become the synthesis of those two things. Another was that he was just trying to become a cat. Right. He was working on being surgically altered so that he would have to walk on all fours and that it would be comfortable for him. That's like ultimately that was his end goal. Either way, um, he died by suicide before he reached his goal. Right. Um, But this was like his life's passion. This is what he did. This is He worked so that he could make money. I think yeah. he repaired computers. And then he took his money and gave it to underground surgeons to carry out these, these procedures or body modification artists to carry out these procedures on him. That's right. I think the one quote I saw was, it's brought me fame, but not fortune. Right. And he, he liked the fame. If you look at the, the pictures of him, he's hamming it up at the Ripley's Believe It or Not oh, yeah. opening and things like that. Like he really enjoyed 
being in this 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 spotlight like this. Yeah, it looked like he stepped off the Broadway stage from Cats. <laughs> sure. Except it was real. I'll bet he had lifetime free admission to Cats and was like, I can't believe it actually <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> closed. I was just liking it after the thousandth time. Have you ever seen Cats? Yeah, that's why I'm ragging on it. It's terrible. Is it really? It's the worst. I mean, I've heard things like that, but I've also heard people that are so excited for this movie. Do do not trust those people. So you're not going to see the movie? I think a good life motto, no. A good life motto is don't trust anyone who says they like the show Cats. (laughs) Okay? But anyway, one of the things. I'm sure we'll hear from a former cast member. (laughs) One of the things about, yeah, Rum Tum Tugger and the traveling cast. Was that one of the names? Yeah. I think that's the only one I can remember. Um the, uh, the One of the things that we should say about um, uh, Stalking Cat is that in the body modification community, he's widely considered to have suffered from a, a serious mental disorder, like yeah. body dysmorphic disorder or something like that. Right. That, that he was the most extreme version, even though he gets lumped together with all people who engage in extreme body modification. Yeah. He was an outlier. In, in that he probably did suffer from a mental illness. That's right. So back to the implants. Um, they're, uh, they're anchors under the skin like we talked about. Uh, are we talking about how they do these? Yeah, and kind of what they are and how they do it. Okay. But these anchors, it seems like nowadays are mainly clover or figure eight shaped. That's what I saw in that thing you sent. Although I did see that uh, they could be round or circular. Round and circular, this is the same thing. <laughs> or rectangular, uh, they are can be custom-made. They're made from uh, what's called implant-grade titanium. Or Teflon. Yeah. Or silicone. Right. I don't know how they could be silicone. I don't either because it seems like it'd be wobbly. That seems like a more of a subdermal thing, but maybe not. The key is this, Chuck. Um, whatever your – the post or the, the – um, the anchor. The anchor mm-hmm. of the implant is. It has to have gaps, holes in it. That's right. And the reason why is because scar tissue is supposed to grow in these holes and really cement that anchor into your skin. It's it got, embeds it. not an anchor if it's not anchored. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point is that it's not slipping around in your head mm-hmm. or wherever you have it. Sure. And it is stuck there. Um, and it's protruding through the skin via the post that's part of the anchor that's sticking out of your skin. Yeah, so anything, anytime you see a little devil's horn or whatever, that is screwed on, mm-hmm. and they can just screw that thing off and screw on a, a Homer Simpson head. That's what I want to see. Sure, that it's would be good. Mohawk of Homer Simpson head. Like uh, Dr. Klong oh, from, from um, A Fistful of Yen from the Kentucky Fried Movie. I don't remember that. He, um, he had a prosthetic arm, and he could like, or hand... He could unscrew it and put on things like a flamethrower or oh, like sure. a spear gun or something like that. Yeah. You've seen Kentucky Fried Movie. I have. It's been a long time, though. It's time you saw it again. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's even more juvenile than you remember, but it is just fantastic. More juvenile than when I was 12 and watched uh-huh. it? Uh-huh. That's amazing. I've seen it in like, yeah, because when you're 12, you're like, oh, this is how grown-ups think? Great. <laughs> I can't wait to be a grown-up. Then you become a grown-up. You're like, no, it's just the Zucker Brothers. Right. Uh, so there is some controversy around all this, and um, I looked up the legalities, and from what I saw, like, if you're a tattoo piercing place, mm-hmm. you have definitely uh, been certified, and you have your operating license and all that good stuff. Probably have an autoclave to sterilize everything. Probably so. Um, but if, you're, I, <laughs> if you live in a basement, though, that's a different story. 
Well, what I saw was the the courts have still, and this was from an article from last year, the courts still have not been asked to rule on extreme body modification. Because the question is, is does this qualify as surgery or is it like right. piercing? Is it the same thing as piercing? There are scalpels, there are sutures. Yeah, from what I've seen, everybody in the body modification community is like, no, that's, that's surgery. Right. <laughs> like it's, it's pure and simple. It's a type of cosmetic surgery. The reason why it seems questionable is because every other cosmetic surgery you've heard of is toward this bu- this norm of, of uh, like a norm. Yeah, Western norm. Right. Um, whereas this is the opposite way. So people are like, wait, what are you doing? And you do this in a, in a tattoo place or a piercing place. Right. And but you're it, not being coerced. Right. But it's still, it's still surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So do you, should we go through the process a I, little bit? I woke up excited about this part <laughs> today. Right. I can't wait. Well, kick it off then. Oh, okay. Hi, I'm Chuck. <clears throat> I would like a... Uh, I would like a, a, a hand, multiple hands giving high fives to each other mm-hmm. down the center of my head. More welcome in, Chuck. <laughs> Have a seat. I'm a body modification artist, or what you think one is like. All right. And you like it? Right. Uh, I'm kidding, Chuck. I'm just teasing. Okay. Let me take that again. Oh, well, please come in. Oh. Have a seat. Why, thanks. Care for some local anesthetic? It's illegal, but I want you to have it if you want it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there could be some local anesthetic or there could just be ice. Are you breaking the fourth wall right now? Oh, sorry. Uh, I've heard sometimes there's just ice. (laughs) Yeah, it could be, which is really saying something because people like you in the extreme body modification community endure a tremendous amount of pain in doing this procedure that we're about to describe to one another, (laughs) even though you're my customer. All right, so what what happens next? Wait, wait, sorry. End scene. All right, can we go back to normal? Yeah. All right, good. Um, so what happens next? <laughs> it's uh, actually very straightforward. It, it really is. So the the um, artist, the body modification artist slash underground surgeon mm-hmm. will um, make two. So the, the, you'll say, I want a, a metal mohawk, which is a bunch of spikes coming out of like the top of your head about where your forehead ends. She didn't like my idea about the hands high-fiving. That's oh, the hands high-fiving. I'm sorry. No, whatever. So... Um, how many do you want? You want, like, so you've got one hand coming out and another hand coming out, so you have two? Uh, I want them all in a row, so I want four sets of two hands. So That's, that's a lot. That's eight total hands facing each other. Okay, so I'm going to figure out and, and show you where I think they should go. Okay. I'm going to do that by using, like, a Sharpie and marking those spots. Mm-hmm. And you'll say, yes, that's perfect. I've got eight dots on my head right now. I think that's great placement for these hands. And then on each side of those dots where those implants are going to be. Mm-hmm. I'm going to measure off about an inch, about two and a half centimeters, and make another mark. And that mark is where the actual incision goes. Right. And in each of those eight spots, and again, Chuck, bear in mind, you have had maybe some ice. You turned down the anesthetic because you're super legal, mm-hmm. right? Um, you're going to feel a scalpel make a slit in your head mm-hmm. eight different times, about an inch away from where those implants are. Right. That's and step one. Yeah. That's that's going to be like <laughs> a drive around Paradise Island compared to what's coming next as far as pain goes. Yeah, I mean, that sounds bad enough. But then what needs to happen, because remember, your skin likes being very close to your head. Yeah, it's not loosey-goosey. It's not loosey-goosey, but you need to make it a little bit loosey-goosey because mm-hmm. you got to slide that anchor over from your incision point to its final destination. Right, which is why you have two place, two 
points marked off. That's right. The place where the implant's coming and the place where the incision is. So how do you separate the skin then? You separate it with a little tool, uh, sort of like a tiny little spatula. Invented by Steve Hayworth? Oh, did he invent this? Yes, he did. I thought it was... This guy is legit, dude. No, I'm not saying he's not, but I thought it was all had been long used in plastic surgery. From what I saw, he invented the the um, dermal elevator. Okay, well, it's a dermal elevator. It's a it's a little metal thing that you insert and you use it as a little pry bar, basically. Yeah, it's like a spatula looking thing to pry the skin mm-hmm. up from your head. Yeah. So what you're doing then is creating what's called a pocket, mm-hmm. and in creating this pocket, so you've got the you've got the dermal elevator. Now it's it's pressed like you separated the skin from the top of your head. Yeah, you got a little room now. Along all of these incisions, you're probably doing it one at a time, I would guess, because you don't want these incisions hanging out waiting for you yeah. to be done with the first. But you um, you slide that dermal elevator under finally until it's under the spot where you've marked off where the implant is going to come out, mm-hmm. and then you t- you take another maybe either the scalpel again or a dermal punch, mm-hmm. and you make a little hole. Mm-hmm. And then now you have that pocket, and then you have a hole, and you take the implant, which again is consists of an anchor with a post coming out of it, mm-hmm. and you put it into the incision, mm-hmm. move it through the pocket that you've created with the dermal elevator, yep. until, and then just kind of move it along it your skull. Pops right out of that hole until it pops out of the hole. Yep. And the whole reason for this this specific procedure is because you want the hole that the implant's coming out of to be smaller than the anchor of the implant. Yeah. Which is why you make that incision so you can move the implant in and it won't just protrude through the hole that you've made for the implant to come out of. That's right. You do this, in your case, eight times. Mm-hmm. After that, after what I just said, and the implant's in and in position, then you suture. Yeah. And then I guess you do it seven more times. That's right. Then I can't I imagine sitting through one, let alone eight. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not my bag. Seems painful. I got my ear pierced when I was in high school, and that that hurt bad enough. <laughs> I used to self pierce my own ears. Well, you know, the funny story is, I got my ear pierced mm-hmm. on spring break senior year with all my buds. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> like the dumbest suburban white boy thing to do. You're ever. like George Michael me up right here, <laughs> basically. Yeah, and they're all standing around going jitterbug. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, I got that done. I, got... I actually thought that was part of the story for a second. <laughs> no, you no. sold it that well. Uh, we got home, and my mom got really upset and uh, cried, so I took it out. She cried it right out of your ear? She did, and then she felt bad, and my mom re-pierced my ear. Oh, wow. How about that? Why did she feel bad? She was successful. Uh, in what, crying it out of my ear? <laughs> I think, you know, because I, I was was one of like eight guys, and mm-hmm. I was the only guy who had it cried out of their ear. And I gotcha. I think she just, you know, came around. It was that initial That's great. shock. That's great. Shock and awe. The normie <laughs> came to love it. Yeah. So one other thing. So we're talking about how it's not our bag and that like just having your ear pierced was painful. Mm-hmm. One of the things I saw in an explanation why people do this is for the pain. Some people get off on the pain. Yeah, I figured that. But also some people um, want to kind of push their comfort zone of their pain tolerance. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily getting off on it, but they feel like they're increasing their endurance, their grit, mm-hmm. uh, whatever you want to call it. They're gaining something. Right. They're, they're, yeah, possibly a spiritual experience from it, that it's not just like, you know, there are people out there who don't just necessarily think like you and me. It's like, let's avoid pain at all costs. Right. Some people run into that stuff head first, forehead first, uh-huh. and say, <laughs> cut, cut some holes in this, man. Yeah. So that's cool. 
Yeah, I mean, that, and that's basically the long and short of how you do that. You've got this post sticking out then. It's sutured up. Um, however, here's what – well, I was about to say here's what they don't tell you. I'm sure they do tell you this <laughs> – is the success rate for transdermal implants <laughs> is super low. It's at like – what? Is it 20 percent? So I've seen – yes, 20 percent is what I saw too. All right, well, you know what? That's a great place to break because that's the first downside, and we'll talk about more of those when we come back. Listen to this. It's a game changer. Amazon is now in healthcare. Yes, Amazon. It's called Amazon One Medical. They offer same-day appointments. And if that's not convenient enough for you, they also have 24-7 virtual care. Yeah, you know, imagine you're feeling so sick that even the thought of getting out of bed is just too much for you. With Amazon One Medical, you don't have to leave the house. Of course, what good is that if you then have to drag yourself to the pharmacy, but you don't have to do that either because of Amazon Pharmacy. It makes a lot of sense. Delivering things fast is what Amazon is known for, and that's exactly what they do here. They'll deliver your prescriptions directly to your door. No waiting in pharmacy lines with people who probably all have something worse than whatever you're there for. Again, this is a game changer. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful. Hey, everybody. Josh and Chuck are here to tell you about a new podcast, Car and Drivers Into Cars, a production of Car and Driver and iHeartMedia's Ruby Studio. That's right. It's hosted by Eddie Alterman and Tony Quiroga. Into Cars is the ultimate podcast for car lovers. Whether you're in the market for a new set of wheels or just love the sound of a V8, Car and Driver's panel of editors and car experts test drive and review today's most compelling new rides. And the best part, Eddie and Tony have no filter. They review cars with the same blend of intelligence, independence, and irreverence that has made Car and Driver a trusted source for news and reviews since 1955. Car and Driver's Into Cars is brought to you by eBay Motors, all the parts you need at the prices you want guaranteed to fit your ride every time visit ebaymotors.com for more eligible items only exclusions apply so jump in buckle up and listen to car and drivers into cars available wherever you get podcasts So, Chuck, you said the success rate is 20%. What does that mean? Well, that means that 20% of the time, everything is great. You don't get a skull infection. And the 80% of the time, a number of things can happen. Infection is obviously one of the biggest risks. Right. Um, because you're working with people who you know, may have things fully sterilized or may not. I'm sure they take it really seriously now. Sure. And I'm not saying it's all like in someone's basement and they like fish a tool out of a scalpel out of their pocket. Right. I'm sure they take it really seriously now, but infection in hospitals is something that's a problem. So right. it's so gonna be a problem here. It's it, yeah, it's not even necessarily that the tools or the implant are infected, but you have just um broken open the the envelope of your body mm-hmm. and now there's a direct pipeline into the one of the most vulnerable parts of your body, your skull and your brain. Yeah. Um, from the outside environment. Just come on in, bugs. And if you've done that eight times in your head, and technically you have 
16 holes in your head now, yeah. eight for the implant and eight incisions. That's 16 opportunities. Exactly. And infection. so even if you keep the, the thing clean and really keep up with it while it's scarifying and healing, it's mm-hmm. still, you have an open area for the outside environment to come into your into your brain. And that is one of the one of the frequent infections that happens is a skull infection. You might have a skin infection, it might go away, but it might have just migrated to your skull and is eating into your skull, which can become an abscess in your brain, which is a real problem you yes. can imagine. Um, and that is one of the risks of transdermal implants. And it's such a risk that people in the body mod community are like, this is nuts. We really probably shouldn't be doing this. Let's go back to subdermals. Oh, yeah? That's what I saw. <laughs> is your finger on the pulse? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm super hip. I drink nothing but Mountain Dew Blue all day. <laughs> I'm trying to picture you now being a uh, like a cub reporter, podcaster who <laughs> infiltrates the organization. <laughs> right. I get talked into doing a, yeah. a donut forehead thing. Yeah, because they don't believe you, cause you so you got to right. prove it. Right. You know, I'm like, like <laughs> can I just do some cocaine or something to prove it? You're like, well, when I was younger, I got a BB lodged under my skin in a BB gun fight. How do you remember that? <laughs> Did that really happen to you? Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought you remembered the story. No, I was taking that from Royal Tannenbaums. Uh, right here. So you ha- Yeah, so there you go. You've had a subdermal. Yep. It was unwilling and involuntary, but it happened. What happened? Did you just pop that thing right back out? I didn't. A custodian at my school did. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> God bless him. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. God bless her. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Even oh, better. man. She was the definition of grizzled. Yeah. She's like, I, I can help you with that. <laughs> Whipped out her pocket knife and just went to town. Man, the custodian at my elementary school, these people are like, teachers. Like, you grow up with them. This is my high school. Yeah, we had the same guy for seven years, mm-hmm. uh, Roger. Yeah. And he was amazing. He was he was like 6'3", he was tall and lanky, mm-hmm. and he had this big, long uh, Cadillac with a front license, it's so 70s, <laughs> a front license plate that said, Maharaja, an airbrush. <laughs> nice. And he was so cool, because my dad was principal, uh-huh. so like, he hired Roger sure. and Alfred, the two guys who like worked there, and they were there the whole time. Like I was buddies with those dudes. How could you not hire Roger, Roger. when he shows up with that, <laughs> with that they were, car? They were good guys. That's neat. All right, so— um, I feel like a, a scumwad for not remembering my lady's name. Oh, you don't—well, I mean, I think the fact that my dad was the principal— I got to know a lot of the staff more mm-hmm. than a normal kid might. Oh, that's true. Because I was there in summers and hanging out and stuff. Right. They helped you with homework. Huh? Yeah. So uh, where were we? Uh, we were talking you about— were infiltrating. Oh, okay. Uh, here's some of the other things that can happen, uh, happen aside from infection. Mm-hmm. Obviously, rejection. Uh, anytime you're introducing a foreign object to the, to the body, it really doesn't want it there. Mm-hmm. So it strives to reject it. Mm-hmm. So when it does work out, it's sort of— not luck, but, you know, it's your body failing to do what it wants to do, which is get rid of that thing. Right. Uh, and can also move. Migration. Uh, can migrate. Man. So I guess if it doesn't, uh, if that tissue doesn't grow, I'm, I'm curious, I guess the suture is supposed to hold it in place enough while the tissue grows? Uh, no, the I mean, the... I think you're not supposed to touch it for a while while well, the, while the sure. scar tissue is growing. But I don't know that the suture has anything to do with it. The suture, I, I thought, was just from the incision site, which is an inch away. Oh, I thought they sutured around. I don't think so. Really? They just I, punch it through? Yeah. And I think the hole is small enough that it's not really going to move as long as you don't mess with it while it's scarring. So it's like the little snaps on a trucker's cap. Kind of. Um 
Interesting. <laughs> one of the one of the other things that can happen too is if um, some people don't use dermal elevators, some people use butter knives instead. Ugh. Which is, I saw there was another Wired article from 2006 that I saw. Um, Wired is all over this kind of Steve, stuff. <laughs> yeah, Steve Hayworth um, was saying that's like trying to thread a needle with a Cadillac. I guess a Maharaja Cadillac, <laughs> yeah. right? And um, it, that you just don't want to use a butter knife. And if somebody's using a butter knife. For this, just stop. Be like, stop, stop. I'm going to go find somebody else. But um, even if you use a transdermal or a dermal elevator, you can go too deep and pull too much skin away and start to mess with tendons and nerves and all sorts of stuff you don't. You don't want to mess with, and that yeah. can that can cause a lot of problems too. I have, as you can see, I sliced my thumb open last week. Oh yeah, and the tip of it is still completely numb. Cutting a bagel with a serrated knife. Yeah, and it is completely numb. Yeah, you know, um, I didn't want to take away from your glory, <laughs> but I cut a significant portion of my finger off right here. Like, so see all this mm-hmm. up to the nail, mm-hmm. um, just off. Yeah. And uh, it took a while for the for the feeling to come back, a very long time. Like yeah. I was like, I, I don't think I'm ever going to get feeling back. And I did. It comes back. It just takes a little while for the nerves. But isn't that spectacular that my finger is intact again now? It is. Like we can regrow fingertips. So I guess what I'm trying to say is keep the faith, buddy. <laughs> well, I got another story since okay. we're on this. And... All right. Well, then I'll come up with my own again too. Uh, th- and this was two and a half months ago. I – kicked my bed frame uh, mm. with my shin mm. and em- Emily heard the sound and I hit the deck and she, you know I tend to overreact <laughs> and she was kind of like you know all right you're but like this is worse than when I got my ear pierced I was I told her I was like something happened this was not a normal uh, shin kick oh yeah and um there was a lump and if you touched it it was clearly some kind of exposed nerve mm-hmm. like pain would shoot all the way through my leg for like 2 months and now the left top of my calf is still numb two and a half months later. Wow. And like a large, like seven inches worth of my calf. Is it one of those things where it's probably best that it's numb? Like you'd be in a lot of pain if it weren't? Well, I mean, it's basically healed now, but um, that lump and the the nerve still damage there? was, now the lump is just now gone. Oh, that's good. But it was pain like I've never, literally never felt before. <laughs> that's crazy. It was awful. Oh, you didn't like it? No, I didn't. So um, this is not my my thing. I understand. I'm not down with this. But the whole thing is leading me to a, a suggestion that we tackle nerves and nerve damage at okay, some point. Okay, sure. I've been wanting really to do one on pain itself, but it's such a big topic. We haven't had time to tackle it. Right. But we will. Okay. Are we done with this? We're probably not done yet. <sighs> oh, we were going to talk about microdermals before we leave. Yeah. So those are way safer because the idea is that it can be done with like a piercing gun type machine. Yeah, so it's the device. It's the same thing. It looks like there's a piece of jewelry or some adornment growing out of your skin, but it's much much smaller than what a, a transdermal uh, anchor and post can handle. Much smaller. Yeah. Um, and so you basically just kind of make a hole uh, and dig the skin away just a little bit, just to create just enough of a pocket to put basically a mini transdermal post and anchor mm-hmm. in there. But it's so small that you can just kind of move the skin over and in, in a hole and pop it in there and then the skin closes back over it. Okay. And now you have a little post and you can screw a little, you know, stud or diamond or whatever. Right. And it just looks like if you've ever seen somebody with 
um, a stud on, on their thing. cheek. Yeah. Oh, that. And yeah. it looks like a jewel mole or something like that. <laughs> That's a microdermal. They actually have a hole in their face, uh-huh. not going all the way through. Right. Um, that it, that they just there's a post kind of in there. Right. They're apparently easier to get out too, which is a big problem with transdermal. Yeah. Is that once they're in and it scars over. Mm-hmm. You got a real problem if you want them out. They're hard to to remove. Yeah. Sometimes surgery is involved. And then I saw, even though they were called permanent, that eventually they all kind of need to come out at some point. Right. I'm not sure if that's where what what the uh, science is behind that. Mm-hmm. Or when you get an office job, is that it? That's usually <laughs> the science behind that. Yeah. Uh, I know the last thing I wanted to do was read over some of these adult piercings. Yes. So have you? How many of these did you look up? Uh, most of them. I could not resist anal piercing. Yeah. So f- two things. Google image beware. Yeah, that's a. I think that's fair. That's a good COA. And also, if you're uh, a kid, or mm. if you're a mom or a dad. Prepare to see what a go- uh, anal piercing <laughs> looks like. Or just, you know, you might not want to hear any of these things. But for uh, or, or if the, you're playing this for your class for some reason. Right. <laughs> teacher, this might be a good time to stop. So for males, it's uh, list the following uh, ampelangs. Do you want to describe any of these or just that one? How does it how's it spelled? Because I didn't look up all of them. A M P A L L A N G. That one I didn't see. Is uh, that the glands piercing? I'm not sure. Okay, I, I only looked up about half of these. There's another one that begins with an A. That's a glands piercing. The apodravias. I think so. Yeah, where it's a there's a a piercing with uh, two studs, a stud on either side. Okay. That goes right through the head of the penis. Okay. Again, for sexual enhancement. All these are for sexual enhancement, right? Well, almost all the time. Sometimes it's for, you know, aesthetics. But, I gotcha. Um, let me, there's something called a deep PA, something called a dolphin, mm-hmm. something called a didos, foreskin piercing, boring, <laughs> uh, something called a guichus. Have you seen that? No, I got to see that one. Yeah, you can check that out. Uh, I don't know how to describe it without losing our show. So, I'm How does like, it spell? Uh, G-U-I-C-H-E-S. Uh, pubic's uh, prince's wand, a reverse PA, and then the ever-popular scrotal ladder. What is that one? <laughs> Just look it up. Huh. Uh, and these are the adult piercings listed for uh, females. Uh, anal, of course, men and women. Uh, Christina... Uh, the old uh, clitoris piercing, mm-hmm. uh, the fourchette, the horizontal hood, the hymen, sure, inner labia, Isabella, nipples, boring, <laughs> outer labia, princess Albertina, mm-hmm. the triangle, and the vertical hood. There's a yeah. There's a lot of things to be pierced on a vagina. Apparently, there are, um, and the. You're right. We really we probably can't describe the guicha, guichas. Yeah, it's it's a it's just it's sort of like no man's land. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's a really great way to put it. I think you just saved the day, Chuck. Okay, good. Uh, well, if you want to know more about body modification, there's an actual uh, there's an article on how stuff works. You can check out. It's a great place to start. Maybe it's your bag. You'll find out. Um, and since I said maybe it's your bag, it's time for listener mail. Uh, this is about when I was talking about that story about the Googling the two words. Oh, yeah. That didn't match up or whatever. Uh, Chuck mentioned he had a friend who would Google two random words to get as few results as possible. I got really excited. This practice is called Google sculpting, and it was used in a subversive poetry movement called Flarf. 
You ever heard of this? No. Uh, this guy wrote... I've this... heard of Froth. Okay. Well, this is different. Okay. Uh, I wrote my senior year English paper on this in high school. Flarfists would use Google sculpting to create the worst poems they could muster using... Uh, could muster using lines from the few results they would get. It started as a way to expose scam publications that admitted every entry, collected a submission fee, and convinced the poets to purchase the compendium. Uh, but Flarf was so fun, it quickly gained a life of its own. Uh, this is from Chris De Silva in uh, Philadelphia, and he, wrote, he sent his paper along, and I read it. And uh, just to, so everyone gets this, I'm going to read out an example of a Flarf. This was by K. Salim Muhammad, and his poem was called Goldmine. I type slobbering anus into Google because I'm one big, fat, lazy exterminator nut. Some people think I'm a gluttonous porcine, furry, man-killing gold mine made of sweet gold. Beautiful. Uh, and he said this poem references the process in creating Flarf in the first line. So he explains how he wrote the poem itself by compiling the uh, search results from Googling the phrase slobbering anus. Very nice. And that is from uh, Chris Silva from uh, Philly. Thanks a lot, Chris. That was great. Google sculpting. Google sculpting. Flarf. Flarf. Uh, Goaches. Guiches. Guiches. <laughs> uh, if you want to get in touch with us, like Chris De Silva from Philly did, you can go on to stuffyoushouldknow.com, and there you will find all of our social links. And uh, if you want, you could also send us an email. Wrap it up, spank it on the bottom, pierce it somewhere, and send it off to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.